Hello, welcome to Skull RPG Podcast. My name is Dwight Skull. My name is Jacob Skull. And today we're going to teach you how to tell, tell your, your story. story. Hey, Jacob. So for the next, I guess, three podcasts, we're going to do maybe four. We're going to do something a little different. Okay. We're going to um, build a kind of a mini game. We're going to create a scene. We're going to create a uh, cast of characters, and we're going to create a a certain monster for it. Okay. But before we do any of those things, we need to talk about what is killer horror. Oh, yeah. So, do you want to tackle what killer horror is? Yeah, so killer horror is very, very similar to a lot of horror, and it's just more or less... You have a monster that you can't kill and you can't harm chasing you down and further whittling at your resources to the point where you're helpless. So what kind of movies would this be? This would be like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You would have a Scream would be that way. You had Jason. So Friday the 13th and Friday Halloween. Friday the 13th, yeah. So these things where you have these monsters that are picking people off one by one. And Scream, of course, being the quintessential uh, horror parody, but not as much parody as still horror, mm-hmm. where you have the rules of horror and things are laid out. So the killer is, there's somebody, there's a killer in your midst. He could be supernatural or could be one of your own. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be a guy either. Um, and that's just picking things off one by one. Yep. So... What's I find what I like about killer horror and as a general genre in gaming, especially, is that you can build in a lot of air of uh, suspense and mystery. Mm-hmm. And um, how you do that in general. So before we get into any specifics on a game that we're going to kind of help you create, is you want to have a. We'll just talk about the, let's just talk about the basic elements. You need a scene that's a closed loop scene. And a closed loop is, um, I've covered it before, but a closed loop is an area where you can't get out of. Yep. So um, it's actually why I love 1980s television. Also, probably because I was in elementary school in the 80s. And you always kind of fondly remember the decade that you were in elementary school because life was free and clear and no taxes or job or any, you know, and hormones hadn't hit. So you don't have like heartbreak. But that said... One of the cool things that I liked about that era is because so many of the shows around Halloween would have a snowstorm. And since, you know, we're from Colorado, we've seen snowstorms where mm-hmm. we've been snowed in for a couple of days. Um, and then, like, so they're snowed in in a ski cat in a, in a cabin where they were going to go skiing. And then the power goes out and the electricity is flaky, but the phones are cut. And so now you're stuck, right? Yep. The, the nearest person is miles away and if you try to go get them you'll die yep you need to be able to have a closed loop so nobody can go and get help i mean that's why how many cars don't start magically in those movies exactly (laughs) oh we found a car and it doesn't work there's actually a really hilarious geico commercial on the television right now where um they there's a group of like five or six kids screaming and uh, there's a Jason-like character there. Let's go hide behind the rusty chainsaws because you make all the bad decisions in a horror movie. Exactly. But, like, one of the options was, why don't we just get in the running car? And the answer was, like, that's too obvious. You know, like, I guess you're right. We'll go hide behind the, the wall of rusty chainsaws, you know. And then the, the murderer guy's like, what is going on? Like, this is so easy, you know. Like, 
Um, that said, this is exactly what you need, though, is this closed loop. I can't, you can't escape. So it works really well for players that, if you're playing in like a D&D setting or any kind of magical setting where they have the ability to teleport or move into different planes of dimensions and stuff, that needs to be, be you need to do this before that, before they get that spell. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's too easy. So you need to put them in a situation where they can't leave. And actually, endurance uh, Elements is a really good one. So you have your scene. You have to come up with a closed loop. Okay. The next thing you need is a killer. So one way to do the killer, of course, is to put them in a room with other NPCs of equal level. And you can do the typical kind of murder mystery dinner trope type of thing. You know, the lights go out, the murder, someone gets killed, and it's obviously somebody in this room has killed them. That's one way to go. The other thing you can do is combine it with monster horror. Mm-hmm. Monster horror is fun because now there's a monster stalking you. But to do that, that monster has to have some pretty cool abilities. So one would be invisibility. Yep. Could you think of another one you'd maybe want to have on a monster like that? You could have uh, like a turn to stone because every time they look at the monster, it's so horrific that something happens to them. So you have a Basilisk or a Gorgon or a Medusa type of a character. Mm-hmm. And again, one of the cool things you'd want to do with this is homebrew your monster so that your metagamers can't know what's happening. Or you might want to add some things to a normal D&D monster that makes it so... It's truly terrifying that nobody knows what it really is. Yeah, that would, that's another good way to go, right? Where their lures kind of give them ideas of what things could be, but not like, oh, you know that this is a, like, that doesn't work in this game scenario. Yeah, make it more legendary, going back to, like, standard myths. Yeah. There's only one or two Cyclopses running around because they're not really a normal animal. Right. There's hundreds of wolves around, but there's not a handful of these things out. They're legendary. Right. So then maybe the DC to even know what the heck it is is like a 35. Yeah. And your fifth level character is not even going to come close. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they can look at, they they might know, they can, you could give them a list of monsters it could be. Like, you know that there are monsters that turn things to stone, like this, this, and this. But none of these seem to fit what you know. And we're done. We move on. It has similar traits, but it's not it. Exactly. Close, but no cigar. Uh, it could be a basilisk, except that this thing looked like it used the door. Oh, well, I guess a Gorgon or a Medusa is still up for grabs. Yeah, I guess it could be. But you haven't heard any snakes, and you haven't seen any other like things that would make you think that. Because mm-hmm. typically, you know, it's got the body of a snake at the bottom, and you haven't seen any kind of slithering trails anywhere. It looks like there's footsteps, so I guess it's not a Gorgon either. I wonder what it is. Yeah, okay, well, you don't know yet. Let's keep going. Yep. So you get your monster, you get your scene, and then the last thing you need is you need a cast of NPCs that look and act very suspicious. So what you want to do there, if you're going to do this, I would make it like a three or a four game session, so like a month or two, mm-hmm. uh, and I would just basically quickly craft a bunch of NPCs I'd give them motives and I'd give them abilities that would allow them to basically be able to emulate one of the things that the monster can do, but not all of the things the monster can do. So maybe there's a wizard there who is absolutely renowned for mind control illusionary spells. 
because here's the fun part about mind control spells, is what you saw actually what you saw. How would you know? Yep. You know? <laughs> um, and that's the fun part about it. Uh, and you can actually, uh, this is an interesting concept that we did in a Knights Black Agents game. I'm going to throw it out here just as an example of what you could do in a D&D. It's a little unfair, but if you get your players buy-in just for this one session to do things just a little unorthodox, I think it could work really well. Where you tell the story just a little bit backwards. So it's kind of like, oh, then you guys go into a dinner party. I remember Cool. This. And then you go, I won't do that exact one, but like, oh, you guys go to a dinner party. Cool. It's like, okay, you wake up the next morning. Let's find out what you all remember. And instead of playing out the dinner party, you do a couple of roles and then you tell them what they remember from the night before. And this mm -hmm. allows you to cloud their judgment, influence their opinions and change their minds on stuff without them actually knowing what really happened. As opposed to, you know, then you see the, the crazy monster and it looks like this and it jumped out and then all of you make a will save. Okay, you failed the will. You don't remember this the next morning. Well, of course the players are going to remember it because they heard it. Mm -hmm. Going the backwards route allows you to actually play with the concept that maybe the monster is messing with people's minds. Yeah. And no one really knows, like, especially if you make them do like 10 rolls. And just in your brain, you just go, okay, roll number six is the only roll that actually matters. Okay, guys, start rolling me. I need 10 rolls. Tell me what all you have on the first round. Okay, thank you. Second round. And you keep going. And then yeah. you get to round six. You're like, cool. Only one of them made it. So I'm going to give them five different stories because, you know, one for each of my five players or four, whoever you have. And each of those stories is going to look different. And now the question is, who was right? Mm-hmm. So that's the beginning. So stay tuned for the next couple of episodes because we're going to actually really just flesh this whole thing out. Hey, thanks for listening. And for more resources, please go to SkullRPG.com.